Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom, but most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you belong. Let's get started. Hey, it's Michelle. So glad to have you with me today. Today, we're going to be talking about the intersection between our spiritual, mental, and emotional health and how we can check in with ourselves to really answer the question, am I really okay? I'm joined in this episode by counselor, speaker, author, and podcaster, Deborah Folletta, who just came out with a new book called, Are You Really Okay? I love Deborah's emphasis on combining these areas of health to promote our overall wellness and wholeness. So often when people ask us how we're doing, we just kind of give them this casual fine <laughs> answer, and we might actually believe it. But Deborah's here to help us figure out how we can check back in with ourselves and really go after wholeness in all of these areas of our life. If you'd like to take notes on some of what we discuss and then perhaps have some reflection time later to see what God might have for you from this episode, I want you to look down in the show notes. There's something called podcast pages. If you click on that link, it'll take you to the free downloadable journal pages that I have for the Christian Single Moms podcast. It'll just give you an opportunity to reflect further on what you're learning. Also, down in the show notes, if you are new to the podcast, you'll notice a link to a quiz. It's called What's Your Loneliness Type? Loneliness is something that all of us single moms have to deal with, but the reasons why we deal with loneliness are different, and they don't necessarily have that much to do with whether or not we're in a relationship. So if you'd like to learn more about your own experience with loneliness, what's causing it, and then some of the ways out, go ahead and click on that link or head over to agapemoms.com forward slash quiz. I'm excited for you to listen to this conversation. Talking to Deborah felt like somewhat of a mini therapy session, <laughs> and I am just so expectant over the things that God would reveal to you in this conversation. Here is my conversation with Deborah Folletta. Deborah, I'm so glad that you could join me today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Deborah, your newest book is called Are You Really Okay? And I think many of us actually struggle to answer that question. Why is that? Yeah, I find that people have two different reactions to the title of the book. Some people will read, are you really okay? And they'll think, you know what? I don't think I am okay. And maybe there's some work I need to do. And maybe I need to deal with some of these feelings that are going on underneath the surface. You know, am I okay? Am I not okay? But then there's a whole other group of people who will read the title, are you really okay? And the response is, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And those are the people who actually worry me the most because we've got this fear of answering that question. Honestly, we've got a fear of going underneath the surface. When you run into somebody at the store, 
they ask you how you're doing. I mean, we're so used to these superficial conversations where we say we're fine, we're good, everything's fine. And then we've got the world of social media where there's a picture perfect version of everyone's life, these little tiny snapshots of everything being just fine. And I think sometimes we get so accustomed to staying at that superficial level that we forget there's more to this story, that we forget to take the time to really dig deep and ask ourselves to take inventory of how we're actually doing. So my hope for that title and the entire message of Are You Really Okay? is to get people to take some time to dig a little deeper into how they're doing emotionally and spiritually and mentally and even physically. I totally resonate with that idea of what you just said, as far as when you're in the grocery store, if someone comes up to you and says, oh, how are you doing that? Especially in this single mom experience, I'm like, do you really want to know? <laughs> like we yeah. don't have enough time for this right now. But you also keyed in on something I think is just so pivotal. And that's that sometimes we're so just detached from how we're really feeling that we don't even understand all the layers that are underneath right. there. And it can be scary to unearth those. And I do appreciate though, that you recognized in, in your, do you recognize in your work that this is a holistic experience that are you really okay is answering from an emotional standpoint, a spiritual standpoint, a physical standpoint. Can you talk about the intersectionality of those and why it's so important that we pay attention to all of them? Yeah. You know, when, when we're looking at health, we've got to look at it in a holistic way. And I'm a licensed counselor. So of course, I'm going to talk about holistic health, but this isn't just about psychology and counseling. This is biblical. When you look at the greatest commandment, when the disciple asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's this holistic experience. Heart represents our emotional health, soul, our spiritual health, mind, our mental health and strength our physical health. So if we really want to love the Lord with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, with all of who we are, it's crucial for us to be healthy in all of those areas. I think as Christians, we have a tendency to kind of zoom in on one aspect, and that's our spiritual health. But what we don't realize is that when our mental and emotional health is struggling, we're actually stunting the growth of our spiritual health as well because they all really work together. Mm -hmm. And so it's important for us to kind of take the time to really dig deep. You know, we kind of are accustomed to caring for our physical health in this world. We, we have doctor's appointments. We go for a physical checkup. We get our mammograms. Whether or not we want to, they're in the calendar, right? Mm -hmm. But how often do we stop to take inventory of our emotional health or our mental health. When we come to Jesus, it doesn't mean that all of this stuff is just going to go away. Just because you're Christian doesn't mean you're healthy. And I think we have this false belief that when we become a Christian, somehow magically our emotional and mental health are going to be just right. Somehow magically the stuff that we've dealt with in the past, all that baggage, those hurts, those wounds, are going to magically go away. We would never make that assumption with our spirit, with our physical health. We would never say that when we come to Jesus, our cholesterol levels are going to be just right. Mm -hmm. But then why do we make that assumption with these more 
significant things, the, the, the emotional health, the relational health, the mental health, like all of the, health is a process and one that we have to be really willing to engage in. I think it's dangerous for us too to neglect those other areas because they leave us vulnerable to attack. Yeah, totally. And the enemy knows, you know, how to get us. And I think for us to neglect those areas is one of the best things that we can do to set ourselves up for despair and destruction because they will seep into our life. All of the things from your past that you don't deal with will eventually start impacting you in the present. Mm. And let's talk about that, those things from the past, because a lot of times this starts in childhood, that there's deep roots here. The things that we're doing in our lives or that we're experiencing in our lives may have effects, but a lot of this starts from somewhere else. How can we start to unpack all those things though, without getting stuck? Yeah. I think it does feel intimidating when this is a new conversation, you know, and that's why my hope for this book is that it helps you layer by layer, kind of navigate this conversation so that you're not feeling like you're doing it alone. You're feeling like you're doing this with a licensed counselor. Mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of feel like a one-on-one. It really does. <laughs> because there's ho there's homework assignments. There's checkup mm -hmm. questions. It's, it's not a book that you just read. It's a book that you kind of have to work through. It's an experience. Um, because yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's because there's things such as your timeline, like being able to identify the things that have impacted you from childhood, both for good and for bad. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times when someone comes into my counseling office with a problem in the present, most often it's actually rooted in an unhealed wound from the past. Mm -hmm. You know, an example of that is a man that I was working with in my counseling office, him and his wife came in for counseling because he was having some serious anger problems. He was just raging at her mm. and, and she would trigger him. Like, like she would ask him to do something around the house and he would just get so upset. Why are you nagging me? You know, like, what is it with you? Uh, you just, you're never satisfied with what I do. And he would just get really mad. And one day it kind of hit the extreme when they're outside in the, in the garden weeding. And she just came over and she noticed some weeds in the corner and she's like, Hey, are you going to get those? And he just lost it. Of course, I'm going to get those. Why are you constantly on my case? What is, you know, and, and this cycle that they were perpetually going through. And they came into counseling, hoping for some conflict skills, some communication skills, and all of that is great and important, but it doesn't work if you don't get to the root of what's really going on here. And many times the root is something in our past. Mm. So as we started unpacking this man's reaction and, and what was going on, I asked him, what does that make you think or feel when she tells you to do something? Like, what is the root of that? Why is it bothering you so much? And he said, you know, it just makes me feel like I'm not good enough for her. Like, I'm never good enough for her. And I said, can you think of a time in your life before this, before this relationship, where you felt like you weren't good enough. Because to me, it seems like that's an emotional sore spot for you. And emotional sore spots are usually wounds that are very sensitive in the present, but they've been caused by something in the past. Mm -hmm. So he, he sat there for a minute 
And all of a sudden, this man, let me just give you a picture of this man. He's a muscular, tall, bald, full of tattoos kind of guy. Like he's not the typical guy that you would imagine in a counseling room. And he just looked to the floor and he started to weep. Mm. And he said, growing up, it was my dad's way or the highway. And I never felt like I was good enough for him. And finally it came to a head at age 16. We had a big fallout and I left home and I've never been back since. And I just was never good enough. And his wife was just surprised by this because all of this time he was carrying this emotional sore spot from his past that he wasn't good enough. And what she didn't realize is that she kept bumping up against that sore spot that he didn't even know he had it, that he didn't even know was in need of healing. And so many of us are in that same boat, whether the sore spot is I've been abandoned, I've been neglected, I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'll never amount to anything, all I deserve is the emotional leftovers. Like we've all got these wounds that we carry. And if left unhealed, they begin impacting the way we do relationships in the present. Mm -hmm. Deborah, one way I see that really playing out too, and I know this has been my own story, is with my kids. And I think that's something as single moms, we are butting up against all the time that we have some wounds that we're dealing with present and past. Our kids are in the middle of that process too. And so there can be a lot of this reactivity that's happening in our homes. and. Sometimes we think it's just because my kid's not obeying me. Right, right. But there's something deeper underneath there. Well, whenever you have an intense emotional reaction that, you know, logically you kind of know is disproportionate to the Mm -hmm. wound. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, my child just did that. But why did I react so intensely when they said that? Even if they're like, I hate you, for example, you know, the teenage stage, whatever, why did that affect me so deeply? What is it that's driving this emotional reaction? Whenever you have an intense emotional reaction in the present, it's usually rooted in an unhealed wound from the past. Not saying that things in the present don't impact you, they do. Mm -hmm. But then there's this deep, deep, deep emotional reaction that doesn't seem proportionate to what's going on in the present. Usually you'll find that it's rooted in something in the past, some sort of trigger, mm-hmm. some sort of false belief that you've been carrying, a wound, a hurt that they brushed up against. They brushed up against your emotional sore spot. Mm-hmm. Now it's starting to hurt, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's where we really have to take inventory of our own personal health because it affects everything. It affects how we date, mm-hmm. it affects who we marry, it affects how we parent our children you know, and our response to them. So, so this, this is serious stuff because it does impact so much of life if we're not in tune to what's going on underneath the surface. And I think prioritizing it is so important. And as you said, getting it on the calendar, because what I've known is in the last several years, as I've worked through my own trauma and my own deep-seated woundings, I am far less reactive, far more in tune with, okay, I need to take a break. I'm going to lose it right here. I don't want to do that. And it has though come out of me going, why am I doing this? 
And by making my own health the priority, that's that oxygen mask example where put the mask on yourself so that you can take better care of your kids. I'm better able to tune into them and say, hey, you feeling overwhelmed right now? Let's take a break. Let's not talk about this right now. And we'll come back to this. And it makes me feel way more competent as a mother because I am not reactive anymore. And I'm not allowing my trauma to tell me how to respond in a given situation. Exactly. As far though, as trauma is concerned and our ability to be tuned in, I think sometimes it becomes so normal for us to have these, this triggered sense to have this anxiety bubbling under the surface. And it just has always kind of been there. And Getting though to the bottom of what's underneath there can be really frustrating. There's triggers, there's flashbacks, there's all kinds of things. And we may wonder, do these things ever go away? Can you give us some understanding when it comes to peeling back those layers of the healing process of what we really should expect as we move through that? Yeah. You mentioned something really important when you say that a lot of this stuff is so familiar, you know, like you're so used to it, it becomes your norm. Mm -hmm. I always remind people that just because something's familiar doesn't mean it's healthy. And we do have a tendency to choose what's familiar because it's easier Mm -hmm. over what's healthy. And that's where we have to stop and say, I know this is the easier option to just kind of let the stuff brew, but it's not the healthy option. And as moms, we're not just responsible for ourselves. We're not just responsible for our own emotional and mental health. Because how we model emotional and mental health is how our children begin to learn about it. Mm -hmm. So we're not just impacting our life when we're not dealing with this stuff. We're impacting the lives of our children. So my trauma that I haven't dealt with doesn't just impact me and then it's over. It impacts the generations to come. And I get to change the narrative for them. Mm -hmm. If I begin changing it in my own life, if I begin looking back and dealing And trauma has a really tricky way of kind of affecting us in layers. It's not a once and done experience. Think of it kind of like an onion. The other day, my daughter and I were chopping onions for dinner, which I hate doing. So I kind of passed that job (laughs) on to her. And she noticed that one of the onions had this soft spot. So I told her just to kind of peel the layers until the soft spot is gone. And she kept peeling and there was a smaller soft spot, but it was still there. And Mm -hmm. she kept peeling and peeling and peeling. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of how trauma affects us. It's it's not this once and done thing where you just remove one layer and it's gone. Mm -hmm. It looks different in each layer. And in each season of life, it might come back up. But I think we have two options when that happens. Option number one is to say, I'm not making any progress. This trauma is just here again and again and again, and it won't go away and I'm just stuck. But option number two is to see it as the next layer of healing and say, you know what? Here it is again, but this is the Lord inviting me into the next layer of healing. And when I deal with it in this stage of my life, I've overcome another layer. And each layer that I'm peeling back is making me more like Jesus is taking off a layer and and introducing me to something new, a new season, a new stage, a new growth, a new maturity, a new perspective. And so that's how I like to look at 
trauma when it comes back or flashbacks when they Mm -hmm. come back or anxiety when it comes back. It's, you know what, Lord, you know, I'm ready for the next layer of healing. Mm -hmm. And when it comes back in my life, it's a sign that my body and my heart and my mind is ready for that next layer. And I'm going to take that step and engage in this next layer of healing. Mm -hmm. And so don't see it as a setback, you know, change your perspective and see it as a new opportunity for healing and growth. That's such a fantastic way to look at it because I think we wish that we could just take a knife to it and cut it out. (laughs) I think we want to take that soft spot and just extract it and be gone with the thing. But I know from my own journey, just as the layers go back, there's so many more things I was never aware of that God brought to my awareness that he has delivered greater levels of wholeness that I never thought were even possible. I never could have imagined what was possible because he has this layered approach with us that there's such a fortification that can come from it. But that process is painful. And I think we just have to be patient with knowing, yep, there will continue to be triggers. There'll be continue to be flashbacks, but they become easier to work through to the point where you start feeling like you have the power when they come rather than them having the power yes. over you. And you've always had the power. Mm. It's just a matter of realizing it. You know? You've always had the power. You always will have the power. It's just a matter of seeing the power that you've had, the decisions that you can make, the boundaries that you can put in place. Mm. You've always had the power. It's not something that someone has to give to you. And I think if we could just take a knife and cut out that sore spot, that soft spot, we'd also be cutting out the growth, the perseverance, Mm. perspective, the strength that we've received from it. Mm-hmm. And so in a way, you don't want to just cut it out because then you lose all of the things that you've been able to learn and the strength that you've been able to have on account of it. So it's just the next layer, you know, mm-hmm. the next layer of healing. Ugh. And I love that. You always have the power. It's just us tapping into it. Deborah, though, for a woman who is maybe dealing with chronic anxiety, depression, sometimes the spiritual aspect of mental health seems difficult to grab onto and to apply. Can you give us an understanding, you know, given that situation where spirituality can bring us some hope when we're in those types of circumstances? Yeah. I think it's important to realize that your struggle with mental and emotional issues is not a reflection of your spiritual health. Um, I think there's a little bit of a stigma in some church circles where people start to think is something wrong with my walk with the Lord? Am I having a lack of faith? Am I not believing in God's promises enough? Am I going against scripture because I'm worrying and scripture says, do not worry. Mm -hmm. You know, we start to doubt our faith, our relationship with the Lord, our, our, what God is doing in our life. Like we start to doubt and worry and people might even tell us that. And and that's where we have to be really careful not to confuse the two things. Um, I think when it comes to our spiritual life, sometimes depression and anxiety can be a catalyst for growth. I think of the times that I have struggled the most feeling like I was all alone 
that nobody understood me, those were the times when I felt closest to Jesus. Um, So it can actually be a catalyst for our growth and our faith. But I also think why we need to differentiate is because struggling with clinical anxiety and depression is a legitimate illness, Mm -hmm. a legitimate struggle. So of course, our spiritual life offers hope and perspective, but at the same time, we've got to tackle it in other ways. You can't look at an emotional or mental problem and only offer it spiritual solutions. Mm -hmm. Because then you're never getting to the root of healing. And so thankfully, the Lord has provided things for us, such as therapy and medication and things that can help us get to the other side when we're struggling with chronic anxiety and depression. And, And I'm such a huge advocate of therapy and medication as needed. Because it's helped me get to the other side. You know, Mm -hmm. all the Bible verses in the world were not going to shift my chemical imbalance, my hormonal struggle postpartum. Mm -hmm. Like I was soaking up God's word, listening to worship music all day, but I was miserably depressed because I was in the thick of postpartum depression Mm -hmm. and nothing was going to get me out of it except for medication which is what I needed at the time. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to really make space for understanding what it looks like in different seasons, what healing looks like in different seasons of our life and not just lump it all together in the category of spiritual healing because we're missing out on on getting healthy faster and more Mm -hmm. effectively when we don't look at healing as this holistic thing. Mm -hmm. I think it goes back to your example too about the physical being something that we would never just throw a spiritual answer at your high cholesterol. You would do something about it. You'd change exactly. the way that you ate. It, you might involve spirituality. We had a fitness expert on here who uses prayer in exercise and that you yeah. can combine these things 100%. But as I've had struggles with anxiety my entire life, I've come to understand I have low serotonin <laughs> and that's going to contribute sometimes to the way I feel. It also affects my body. And for me to treat that means that I will holistically feel better, feel more okay. And it doesn't mean that I always need it. I think we're afraid that this is going to be a crutch. This is going to be a substitute. It's really a case by case, one at a time, even season by season situation. Everybody just needs something a little different sometimes, especially given the circumstances. Yeah, 100%. Mm. I'd like to take a short break from our conversation to mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available on the go, and it works through an app where you are able to schedule video sessions or just chat with your counselor throughout the course of the week. And I've found that having the combination of Christian teaching and counseling together was so encouraging and so healing for me. If you have been considering Christian counseling and you would like to give Faithful Counseling a try, you can get 10% off of your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom. As far, Deborah, as feeling and expressing, expressing our emotions, though, Um, I think this is one also too, when you're supposed to be the emotional leader of your household, (laughs) you don't necessarily want 
your emotionality to start triggering your kids' reactions and that sort of thing. And so sometimes we just maybe even stuff it away. And maybe that was our tendency always. Maybe the way we approached emotional things was just to kind of push them down. You give you give a three-step sort of model, more or less in ways that we can learn to feel and express emotions in healthy ways so we can get in tune with our, uh, just with the way that that all comes out. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's also important to note that Showing emotion is not the problem. It's allowing our emotions to control us and have control. That's when we're modeling unhealthy behaviors, like living life just based on how I feel all the time versus questioning my emotions. And when we talk about emotional health, I think it's important to kind of visualize it like a volcano, how all of these emotions are going on underneath the surface, insecurity, worry, fear, um, frustration. If you have kids, mm-hmm. <laughs> I have four, so I get it. And all of these emotions are constantly happening underneath the surface. There's kind of like a baseline stress that we're feeling. But the problem is when that pressure begins to build and get to an unhealthy level, just like a volcano, the pressure will eventually get so much that it finds the point of least resistance and comes out in an emotional explosion. And you can stuff it and stuff it and stuff it, but you can't stuff it forever. Mm-hmm. And what happens, especially with moms, is we'll stuff and stuff and stuff rather than deal with it, rather than acknowledge it, rather than name with name it, rather than put boundaries into place. We'll just keep stuffing it until it comes out an emotional explosion of anger, of screaming, of just acting in a way that you didn't want to act in, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's specific to like how we act as moms, but it can also come out as depression, mm-hmm. as anxiety. You know, you could feel like you're imploding sometimes. Like you just keep holding it in until you feel like you've imploded. And now you're isolating, mm-hmm. withdrawing, unable to handle anything anymore. Like like you've lost your tolerance. Mm -hmm. It can come out in the form of relationship conflict with your kids. It can come out in the form of a panic attack, an addiction, whatever. Maybe you're constantly on your phone because you cannot deal anymore. Mm -hmm. You're just escaping. And that's what we have to realize happens when we don't deal with our emotions in a healthy way. We're not modeling to our kids how to deal with emotions in a healthy way. And so it really starts first and foremost by acknowledging what's happening underneath the surface, acknowledging it. Take the time to stop and pause and say, okay, here are the different things I'm feeling right now. And why am I feeling them? I'm feeling frustrated because blank. Uh, Let me give you a quick mom tip. When you're feeling frustrated, it's usually a sign that you should have done something sooner. Mm-hmm. You should have set a boundary sooner. You should have put them in timeout sooner. You should have said no sooner. Like frustration basically means I've gone too far and mm-hmm. I should have done something a few minutes or a few days ago That's so that good. I did that I haven't <laughs> done yet. Yeah. You know, like when your kids when you're frustrated with your kids, it's because you should have set that boundary sooner. Mm, so we've let them move our boundary to the point where now we're about to lose it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's a sign. Mm-hmm. So see it as a sign. 
And don't see it as a sign that they're doing something wrong. See it as a sign of, I need to set a boundary that I didn't set. Mm. That's what gives you the power back. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean by we've had the power all along. We just haven't always used it, Mm -hmm. you know? So, So first and foremost, acknowledge what's happening underneath the surface. What is going on here and why do I feel this way? Secondly, begin to express how you feel. Put it into words and and share it with somebody, a safe person. As a single mom, you need to have safe people in your life. Mm. If you don't have one safe person in your life, that has got to be your number one goal today. Put it on your list of things to do. Forget the laundry, forget the dishes, find a safe person. Cultivate that relationship. Get yourself plugged into a counselor. Pay them to be a safe person. Go to counseling. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you don't have a safe person in your life, because you have to begin to express that stuff. Mm -hmm. I also recommend the experience of journaling because research has shown that journaling in and of itself tends to decrease those difficult emotions. So just begin to write them out. Mm -hmm begin to express them. And then lastly, learn to question them. Because just because you feel something doesn't mean it's true. And and question those emotions. Is this emotion actually rooted in truth? I feel overwhelmed. But is this actually rooted in truth? Your emotions are always real, but they're not always true. Mm -hmm. So yes, I feel overwhelmed. And that's a real experience. But is it true? Well, it's not true because I don't have to do everything today. I'm not really all alone. I can rely on this person and that person. I can outsource. I don't have to finish all these to-dos in the next hour. I can put this off for tomorrow. Like, Like when we look at the actual emotion, a lot of times we'll realize it's a real emotion but it's not rooted in truth. Mm. And so we've got to learn to question our emotions before we kind of just let them lead the way. And this is a process. This is why I think therapy is so important because it teaches you some of these skills. It helps you learn how to do this stuff and make it a part of your life because this is how you begin teaching your children through modeling. Mm -hmm. And while we're on the subject, I'll go ahead and give you, and are you really okay? I talk about, an activity that I do with kids that I think is a really important way to help them begin identifying emotions. And that's having them draw a gingerbread man, an outline of of a person. And in that, they begin to track how they feel in their body. So you give them a different color for each different emotion. So maybe red represents anger, blue represents sadness, yellow represents joy. And I give you some options options of different colors for different emotions in the book. But then what you do is you have your kids color in their body, what they're feeling and how much they're feeling of that color. But then the magic happens afterwards where you begin to talk. Oh, it looks like you colored half of this person blue. So that means you have a lot of sadness that you're feeling inside. Tell me some of the things that make you feel sad. And they begin to tell you, well, I feel sad when this happens and this happens. And and you begin teaching them what it looks like to name the emotion and then express it. So, So as we get healthy and as we begin to do these things, we're modeling it to our children, but then we can also begin helping them start at an early age Mm -hmm. to begin identifying the emotion, expressing the emotion so that when they're adults, 
their volcano is not just full of pent up emotions. They've learned how to deal with them in a healthy way. I think that's one of the surest signs too of healing for yourself is when I think just naturally you kind of start getting excited about these things and you start practicing them with your kids, but it's empowering for them too, because they've been through circumstances that they're so young, so difficult to understand. It's hard for us to understand and giving them the space to express and work through those. It's just a healing experience for the whole entire family and can start to draw in so much hope into situations where we may just feel like the rug was pulled out from underneath me. I can't believe that this is our story. And the more that we just embrace that process, though it can be tedious at times, (laughs) but embrace the journaling, embrace the gingerbread man, you know, embrace all of these things, embrace counseling, whatever it is for you, that it is really a legacy that we can pass on. Yeah. And 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 it's important to remember that just like healing happens in layers for us, healing happens in layers for our children. Mm -hmm. So maybe they were young when the divorce happened, but guess what? It's going to impact them a little bit later when they're preteen. And then when they're a teenager, and then when they're an adult, and then when they're about to get married, because these things aren't just a once and done healing experience. So sure, I took my kid to counseling when they were age six and mm-hmm. and we, we dealt with it. Well, mm-hmm. no, you didn't because it looks different in each layer of life. So you have to stay on it. You have to continue to tend to that sore spot at each age and stage, not just a once and done thing. We don't just have this conversation one time and we Mm -hmm. move on. We have this conversation again and again and again at the different ages and stages and continue to check in and ask how they're doing, check in and see how we are doing. Just because you went to counseling at the beginning or marriage counseling when you were trying to salvage your marriage doesn't mean it's over. You have Mm -hmm. to tend to that sore spot again and again and again and allow the Lord to continue the healing process so that you don't get stuck. I have found that with my kids too. We had counseling at the very beginning of the divorce and here it is now about three years later and we're starting a new round again. And so much of it is they're still dealing with the back and forth and the back and forth. So for them, this thing is not over. Right. And on top of it, you can see that as they mature in their cognition of what is going on around them and what they're involved in and comparing it to other kids' circumstances, they're like, whoa, hold up, wait a minute. Exactly. I understand this, I think, in a whole different way. And now I'm feeling something different about it. And I don't know what to do with that. Completely. Exactly. Mm -hmm. As they develop and mature, the problem changes and shifts and looks Mm -hmm. different. Their experience changes as they develop and mature and understand more things. That's why you have kids who seemingly were fine when they were young. And now in their 20s, they're making terrible choices because Mm -hmm. the wound was not being tended to throughout the years. Mm -hmm. And that's the key is just making sure that we are aware of that soft spot, whether or not it shows, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of times it'll show up in non-related things like a fight about weeds. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. When really the soft spot is something a little bit different. So when you find an increase of problems in the present, Mm -hmm. that should signify to you that there's probably some work to be done in this season of life. 
With our kids, Deborah, how else can we identify that they're they're having a problem? I think the key is constant conversation. Mm-hmm. Like we have to make space for emotional conversation to be a part of our life and not this abnormal, weird thing. To check in with our kids regularly, ask them how they're feeling and what's going on. And and not just say, how are you? Those are called close-ended questions. How are you? Good. Did you have a good day at school? Yes. Close-ended questions can be answered in a one-word response. And as counselors, we learn never to use closed-ended questions. Mm-hmm. Open-ended questions are questions that you can't answer in one word, such as, tell me something that made you feel excited today. Tell me something that made you feel stressed out. What's something you're worried about right now in this season of your life? You know, How do you feel about your body in this stage of your life, you know, as for young preteens, is there anything about your body that you wish you could change or anything? What's your favorite part of your body and why? Like constantly having important conversations with them, not just on special occasions, not just after something bad happens, Mm -hmm. but this becomes the culture of our home, you know, and, and me as a mom sharing with them, not oversharing, because I think Single moms, there is a high temptation to overshare mm-hmm. because you have all of these things you want to share and no one to share them with, stressors, problems, fears, but not oversharing, knowing that as a mom, I have my safe space and I'm being that safe space for my kids. So sharing with them, but not oversharing, teaching them what it looks like to have some vulnerability. Well, here's something that I was stressed out about today in the context of teaching them, not in the context of venting to them, Mm -hmm. right? That's the difference. That's so good. Mm -hmm. And so having this open dialogue with them, I think is just, it's got to be part of the family culture if we want to create a healthy environment for them to thrive and to feel that they can open up to us as well. I found practically too, it can be so nonchalant, especially I think with boys, it's not easy to sit down and just say, let's talk. <laughs> and so sometimes it comes out of playing soccer and kicking a ball around together or working on a side-by-side project, something like that, where there's a little bit of a disengagement from uh, mom's grilling me. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. there's an activity that's happening there, but it can be in rides to the car. It can be in sitting down and having dinner together and everybody can go around and share. Or if you have a child that you know is not going to speak up in those instances, just maybe having a special extra tuck in time or whatever. And it doesn't have to be this like big old conference, but we can just wiggle in these little conversations here and there and have these sweet moments with our kids so that we really are appraised of where they're at and what they're dealing with. You're absolutely right. It's those nonchalant moments. And the best moment is when they start doing it back to you. Like Mm -hmm. you've taught them so well. My kids, my little five-year-old sometimes will say, so mom, tell me how your day is going today. And it's just the cutest thing because it's now become part of his norm. You know, he he doesn't think he's doing anything abnormal. He's modeling because that's it back what you to do. You. <laughs> right. So how's your day going? Tell me about yeah. what's going on in your day today. And it's just the to to be aware of the culture that we're creating. You cannot create that culture when you are burnt out mm. and exhausted and tired and 
at an unhealthy place yourself. That's why it goes back to getting yourself to a healthy place first, asking, am I really okay? Because you can't begin to worry about getting your kids okay Mm -hmm. until you have gotten to the place where you're feeling healthy and taking care of your needs and getting the help that you need for yourself first. Absolutely. Deborah. as we roll to the end of our conversation, I ask every guest the same question. And it is, if there was just one more thing that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be? I would say the theme of my ministry and life is get healthy standing alone. And I think a lot of times we look at our desire for relationships, our desire to cultivate good relationships with our kids, our desire to have a good marriage someday. And we look at that relationship and wanting to cultivate the health of that relationship. But really, we're 50% of the equation of any relationship. And our relationship can only be as healthy as we are standing alone. So before you start digging into how to make the relationship healthy, I think it's important to back up and say, how can I be the healthiest standing alone? And then take that next step. So good. Thank you for that, Deborah. Tell listeners about your book and your resources and how they can follow along with you. Yeah, the book is called, Are You Really Okay? Getting Real About Who You Are, How You're Doing, and Why It Matters. And you can find it anywhere books are sold. You can also find me on Instagram at True Love Dates. My relationship advice blog is called truelovedates.com. It's got relationship advice, articles. Um, You can find links to my podcast called the Love and Relationships Podcast there as well. Um, But if you want to find out more about me or what I'm doing, just go to truelovedates.com or find me on Instagram at that same handle. And I will have links available in the show notes to make it easy for listeners to access all of your resources. But I just want to say thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure sitting down with you today, Deborah. Thank you for having me. I truly hope that this conversation with Deborah just opened up some more doors for you in your healing journey. If you enjoyed this conversation, you may also enjoy episode 72 with Dr. Allison Cook about setting boundaries and improving your relationships to boost your emotional health, and episode 65 with Dr. John Deloney, what your anxiety is trying to tell you. As we wrap up today's episode, I do want to point out a couple of resources available in the show notes. The first is our private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Going through the issues and things that we're dealing with as single moms in community is so valuable. And so if you'd like to join the Facebook group, all you have to do is search for Agape Moms on Facebook at Agape Moms, and then click on the groups tab there and submit a request to join the group. Likewise, if you would like to follow along with Agape Moms on Instagram, you can search for us at Agape Moms. Additionally, I now have a weekly video guided scripture meditation available for every episode of the podcast. And if you subscribe to the Agape Moms YouTube channel, you will receive notifications when those videos become available. And it's just a great way to start off your day with some encouragement from God's word and apply some of the things that we're learning here on the podcast. 
I also want to thank you for your subscriptions, your rankings, your reviews. It's so encouraging to me to see what God is doing in your life and to see him on the move, but it also helps other women to be drawn in to just what God has for them here as well. And as you move through the rest of your day or your evening, I just pray that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.